0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This message is from our Pictures of Christ Sermon Series, which walks through the Old Testament and looks at the similarities and differences between Christ and many of the most important people in the Old Testament. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. So, you know what? When you read the story of Isaac, there's really a number of things that can stand out before us and I stated this last week that I think there are two characters in scripture that really uh, typify or picture Jesus the most Um, The one who I think pictures Christ the most, we're actually gonna see in a couple of weeks, and that's Joseph. I think Joseph is probably one of the closest pictures to Christ that we have in the Old Testament. But the second, I believe, is Isaac. And uh, man, Isaac was a great guy. He wasn't perfect, he had some mistakes, uh, but I believe that Isaac is one that God put before us. And I think tonight, we'll see this towards the end, Isaac is one that in the entire story, Isaac was trying to, or God was trying to reveal The gospel to Abraham, trying to reveal the gospel to Abraham, to show Abraham, listen, I made a covenant with you, and that covenant is not going to end, and one day there will be a Messiah, and I want you to see a picture of him in your very own son, and uh, man, the whole story, the whole story of Isaac is just a a wonderful picture of redemption and what we have in Jesus, and so we're going to talk about that tonight, and so let's look at Genesis chapter 17. We're going to start right there. Genesis chapter number 17, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 15, all right? Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 15. Here's what we read. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be shall her name be and i will bless her and give thee a son also of her yea i will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations kings of people shall uh, be of her then abraham fell up upon his face and laughed and said in his heart shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old and shall sarah that is 90 years old bear and abraham said unto god o oh, that ishmael might live before thee and god said Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. When you look at those verses and the verses that we're going to read tonight, the, the, the story of Isaac is really a uh, a very well known story, and so I want to take this story of Isaac tonight. I want to figure out how does he how does he show us Christ. And then tonight, before we leave, I'm going to give you one simple statement of something I want you to think about. Every time you read about Isaac, I want it to remind you and remind me of one thing. And so we'll talk about that. So let's pray, and then we'll get into his word tonight. All right, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just commit the time to the Lord. Just ask him, God, please speak to me. God, speak to my heart tonight. And then just make the commitment to God that as he speaks to you, that you're listening and that you'll respond to him. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We pray that you'd bless it right now. pray that you'd help as I speak. God, I pray that you'd give me your thoughts and your wisdom. Lord, would you teach us tonight? And Father, would we leave knowing that we have heard from you and have something to be encouraged and challenged by and to learn. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with the kids tonight, be with discipleship, and just continue to work in our church and in our lives. And Lord, I just submit myself to you. I pray that you'd um, work in my own heart right now and use me, help my words to be your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and look up. When we go through these... uh, Different people. We've been trying to see what we've called some parallels, or uh, really, we can't preach on every way that each character uh, typifies Christ. But really, want to just kind of preach on a couple. But before we get to it, I want to look at a few things and some a few parallels that uh, that connect between Isaac and Christ. Some things, some ways that we can't preach on that Isaac resembled Christ, and to help us with that. Genesis 17 is the beginning of the, the, where Isaac's first mentioned, okay, where he's first said his name's going to be Isaac. But I want you to turn over to Genesis 21. Turn just a few pages over to Genesis 21 and we're gonna read the first eight verses of Genesis 21, and then from Genesis 17 and Genesis 21, we're gonna gather just a number of things about Abraham or about Isaac that show us Jesus, and and then we'll get to our main thought tonight. Genesis chapter 21, verse number one, it says this, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare to him Isaac and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God had commanded him and Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him and Sarah said God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me and she said who will have said uh, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck for I have borne him a son in his old age, and it's really funny to me right there, because she says, I've borne him a son in his old age. Yeah. She was 90, <laughs> just throwing that out. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Let me give you just a few things and a few ways that Isaac shows Christ, and this is not an in-depth list. Uh, it's, It's there on your handout. I want you to know, first of all, that Isaac was the promised seed to Abraham. We know that. While Jesus, he was also a promised seed to Abraham. He was a promised seed to the children of Abraham, the promised seed to Israel, Um, There was a a lengthy interval between the time of the prophecy given and the fulfillment of the prophecy given. So there was a, God said, you're going to have a son, but there was a space. There was a period of time before that came to fruition. If you were to go back, and we don't have time to do it, but you were to go back, we would see that before Genesis 17, God told Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great people. I'm going to make of you a great nation, right? That's why Abraham... Went, to, went into Hagar because he thought, well, God, God forgot, you know, God forgot about this. So there was a great interval between when the prophecy was given and when the prophecy was fulfilled. The same is true about Christ. Prophecy was given thousands of years before he was born and prophecy was fulfilled in him. A third thought is this, that Isaac's birth uh, was announced to his mother and his mother asked the question, and you can go back and read it, she asked the question in the phrase, it wasn't worded this way, but it was, how is this possible? How is this going to happen? Okay, well, when the angel came to Mary, what did Mary say? How can this thing be? Seeing, I know not a man. Parents asked the same thing. Just a few thoughts. Uh, Isaac's name was given before he was born. Call him Isaac. Jesus' name was given before he was born. Isaac's birth... Occurred. Genesis uh, twenty-one two tells us it, it occurred at a set time or an appointed time, and we read in Galatians four four we read this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. So Isaac's birth was at a set time. Christ's birth was at a set time. Isaac's birth required a miracle. Why? Because Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and Sarah were so old. Well, Jesus' birth required a miracle, and it's the virgin birth of Christ that we uh, we understand. When you look at Isaac, the birth of Isaac, his birth brought conflict into the world. It brought conflict because of Ishmael and Isaac and because of all that would take place. Well, the birth of Jesus brought conflict as well, right? The conflict of being betrayed and then the conflict now that we see of, of the devil really just demeaning anything that belongs to Jesus. Isaac was mocked and abused by his own brethren, Jesus was mocked and abused by the Jews, by his own brethren. Uh, interesting thought, not on your handout. Isaac's marriage to Rebekah is representative in a few ways of Christ and the church. And there's some thoughts there. Uh, you go to later on in Isaac's life, Isaac brought water to the people. Well, Jesus is the living water, came to people. But perhaps, and this is where we're going to get into our handout, perhaps the best way that Isaac typifies Christ is in the story that you read in Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22. So I want you to go with me to Genesis 22 and in this story, just take the next few minutes, and I want us to see some things in this story of how Isaac represented Christ. Isaac 22 or Isaac 22. Genesis 20, I just added a new book of the Bible, the book of Isaac. Genesis 22. And uh, I'm going to read verse 1 down through verse number 14, a familiar story, but you follow along as I read. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, I am here. And he, God, said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And they came to the place which God had told them of, told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. And the angel, he said, "'Lay not thine hand upon the lad, "'neither do thou anything unto him, "'for now I know that thou fearest God.'" seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. You've probably read the story before, and I think that every one of us Man, even at a casual reading, if you know the gospel at all, even at a casual reading, you can see so many pictures. And so we don't have time to get into all of them tonight, but I want to just look at a couple and I want us to see how Abraham, or excuse me, how Isaac represents Christ and maybe some things that we can learn from it. And so thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want us to notice how Isaac pictures this. For us, I want you to see first of all tonight that Isaac, he pictures Christ's submission to the Father. Isaac pictures Christ's submission to the Father. While we're all very familiar with the story, I want to just kind of take a few minutes to uh, give us the account. Abraham and Sarah, they've just, they have one son. Of course, um, uh, Abraham had Ishmael with Hagar but that's a different story. And so Abraham and Sarah, they have one son. This son's name is Isaac. Isaac, at this time in our passage, would probably be uh, anywhere from 17 to about 28 years old. I lean towards Isaac being about 23. That's kind of where I fall in. I think Isaac would have been 23, maybe even a little bit older. And as you read the story, we, of course, find that there's this uh, the, the Lord comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, Abraham, I, I want to test you with something. But Abraham did not know it was a test. You see, God didn't just verbally say, I'm about to, I'm about to put you through a trial, so trust me. He didn't do that. God just gave him He gave him instructions. But I want you to understand, go back to verse number one, okay, or verse number two. Here's the instructions. Pretend you don't know anything else about the story. Put yourself in the place of Abraham. Here's the instructions. Take your child and sacrifice them to me. That's all you know. Okay, now you and I, we read the end of the story. We know know it was a test. We know it was the Lord coming to him and saying, hey, I've got a trial for you. Abraham did not know that. And while you and I tonight are gonna focus a lot on Isaac, We need to know and see that Abraham's faith is mentioned so much. And you go to Hebrews chapter 11, where we'll be in a moment. Man, Abraham's faith is really focused in upon. But in the whole picture, it's Isaac that typifies Jesus Christ, that shows us Christ. So here's God the Father. He comes and he says, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son. I want you to offer him to me. Abraham proceeds to do that. But I want you to notice Isaac's response in all of this. If you were to go, you would see in verse number three that Abraham saddles up the donkey and Isaac submits and goes with Abraham. Verse number five, they get to the mountain and Abraham says, hey, me and the lad, we're going to go up. You guys stay here. And Isaac, he submits and he goes with his father. Isaac submits in verse number five by carrying the wood. Okay, He just submits and allows the wood to be put upon him. And then when you get to verse number nine, there's the altar. And Miss Janet talked about it just a second ago. And Isaac, there's no force in any of the wordage here. It says that Abraham laid him upon the altar. You know what that helps us see? That Isaac willingly... Now listen, we're talking about a 23, even if he was only 17. If he was only 17, he would be 17. His father would be how old? 117. Who could win in a little wrestling match? Probably. (laughs) But there's no struggle. And I I know we've talked about it before, but I I want this thought to really sink in, that Isaac, he just completely submitted. He was submissive to his dad through the entire thing. Isaac, did he ask some questions? Yes. Yeah, he asked questions. Hey, dad, where's the, where's the ram? Listen, he asked questions, but he didn't question the answers. Can I throw in a simple thought for us tonight that we need to know, even from like the life of David? A lot of, a lot of churches or Christians will tell us Don't question God. Hey, listen. You have trials. Do not question God. If that's the case, then half the writers of the Bible were unbiblical. Here's here's a truth we need to learn. This is a little side note from Isaac. It is okay to ask questions. It is not okay to question the answer. Does that make sense? And I think that's a helpful truth for us. Regardless of what we get from Isaac, it's okay to ask God some questions but we gotta trust him with the answer. Isaac does the same thing. Isaac asks Abraham. Abraham, He says, Dad, where's the the sacrifice? Hey, don't worry. God will provide himself a lamb. Okay, great, let's go. Isaac submits to God. Really, the entire entire story is Isaac submitting. You know one more thing that Isaac submitted for, and this is a cool thought. I said it a second ago, I think. Oh, no, I didn't say it yet. I will say it. Uh, Isaac submitted himself to be smitten, to be killed, and to be um, afflicted with fire. Notice verse five. It says that when they left, Abraham, he took two things with him. Verse um, Verse number six. Abraham has two things with him. He has the fire in his hand and a knife. Very cool similarity. Did you know that fire in Scripture always represents God's judgment? Not always, but most of the time represents God's judgment. And the knife represents the slaying of something. Um, Something very interesting. Now I'm getting way ahead of myself. We're going to see it with Christ in just a second, so remember that. When you look at this, Isaac was just submitted the whole time. Now, how does that typify Christ? Isaac was submitted to the will of his father, and we need to know that Jesus, in his life, he demonstrated for us submission to the will of the Father. Look at some of the verses that we'll have. They're all on your handout, uh, just the references. But Luke chapter 2, verse number 49, what's it say? And he said unto them, this is Jesus speaking to his parents, he says, How is it that ye sought me, wished ye not that I must be about my Father's business? Hey, I'm here to do God's will. Uh, how about John chapter 4? And verse number 34, Jesus speaking to the disciples, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. What about John seven sixteen? Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. How about John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, because the night cometh when no man can work. Um, you think about all of these things, this is Jesus, and what's he showing us? He's showing us the spirit of submission complete submission to God the Father. Isaac was the same, right? He submitted to Abraham, and he just typifies Jesus because Christ, his entire life, time and time and time again, Jesus referred to the fact that he submitted himself to God. There's a few little things, and again, I don't have time to go through all of them, but a few little things of Isaac's submission that shows, shows us Christ. Isaac, remember how he submitted and carried the wood? Jesus submitted and carried what? His cross. He carried the cross. Um, This is a cool one I never knew and never really thought about. Isaac submitted and traveled to his death with two people, two servants. Jesus submitted and was crucified on a cross between two thieves. I read that and I thought, "Ah, that's probably reading into it a little bit, but man, that's interesting. In all of it, we just see Christ's heart of submission. His heart of submission, his heart of of willingness. Jesus submitted, and at just, listen, just as Isaac laid down his own life, Jesus laid down his own life. He submitted and laid down his life. No one took it from him. John 10, 17, and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me. Because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Man, Jesus, time and time and time again, shows us submission. I think one of the most important times that Jesus shows us submission is when he's in the garden. Luke chapter 22, verse 42, where Jesus said this, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Man, Isaac, he was submissive. Jesus was submissive. Isaac, he submitted. Here's that thought I was going to bring in a second ago. He submitted to be killed and afflicted. And Jesus submitted to be killed and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 4 says this. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Submission To God's plan, submission to God's purpose. Isaac, he shows us that great picture of submission, doesn't he? Man, his his life, really this story and uh, where he's at in his life in Genesis 22, this story typifies submission. It shows us submission. I want to ask you a quick question before we move on. How about you? Does your life show a person who's submitted to God? Does your life show a picture of Christ's submission to God? What is it in your life maybe that God's been saying, I want that area, or I want you to trust me with this, and you keep fighting back at? Now, when I look at Isaac, I, I want to say, God, help me. Help me to be a picture of submission, just like Isaac was. Number one, Isaac was a picture of uh... Christ's submission number two in the story we can see that isaac he's a picture of christ's resurrection he's a picture of the resurrection as we read the story and, and just for time's sake we won't go through and read a bunch of verses again But as you read the story, the Bible tells us that they traveled for three days. Okay, I want you to remember that. Just remember they traveled for three days. When they get up there, the sacrifice, you know, Abraham's going to sacrifice Isaac. He raises his hand. Aren't you glad he didn't get bitter at God for asking him to do this? Because if he would have been bitter against God, he might not have heard God's voice to say, don't do it. But Abraham remained an open heart towards God. And then as that is up, the angel comes and says, don't do it. We know that you trust. And look with me at verse number 13. Because here's what it says. As Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead for his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this, uh, to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Now, if you turned over to uh, chapter number 24, you would read in verse number, um, verse number 62, you'll read this. And Isaac... Came from the way of the well, Leheroi, uh, for he dwelt in the south country. All right, so here's what we know from the story Abraham didn't kill Isaac. Why? Because God told him to stop, and a few months, a few weeks later, we find Isaac still alive. When you look at it, and this is what we'll see in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, 19 tells us this. It says, Abraham, he was accounting or reckoning, that God was able to raise him, Isaac, up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Here's what that simply means. Just as Abraham had faith that God could raise Isaac up from the dead, that is a picture of the fact that God would raise up his own son from the dead and that Jesus Christ would be risen, risen again from the dead. That's that phrase at the end where it says, from whence also he received him in a figure. This is a picture. What's a picture of? It's a picture, Abraham receiving Isaac. It's a picture of God receiving Christ. There's a lot here. There's a lot about sacrifice. There's a lot about the altar. But I believe the great, one of the greatest pictures is the area of restoration, that Jesus rose from the dead to bring restoration to man And God. He rose from the dead to bring restoration, to bring complete forgiveness, and we'll see it in just a minute, but I really like how one man said it. I'm going to read this, and it'll simplify or help us with some things. Isaac was offered, as it were, and three days dead in his father's mind and purpose, yet died not. But his father received him as from the dead. So Jesus Christ offered But in respect of his divinity, died not. Did Jesus lose being God when he was crucified on the cross? No, that's what that's saying. So in respect of his divinity, died not. And though his humanity lay dead three days in the heart of the earth, yet it revived again. Just as Abraham, you think about it, God came to him and said, hey, go sacrifice your son. They travel for three days. For those three days... For those three days, it's as if Abraham is saying, My son is dead. Like I, I'm he didn't know anything different. So in his mind, he is saying, I'm doing, I'm following through with this. My son is dead. Well, how long was Jesus in the earth? Three days and three nights. Three days and three nights. Well, then if you look at the end of it, Abraham received his son back. He he was alive in the end. And three days later with Jesus, he was alive in the end. He shows us a little bit of the resurrection. The Bible tells us, that God actually received him after the, after the crucifixion. It says in 1 Peter 3, talking about Jesus, he's gone into heaven and is on the right hand received of God, uh, angels and authorities and powers being subject unto him. Of course, we know he is not here. He is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. So uh, Isaac just typifies or shows us that picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think Isaac, he pictures, of course, Christ's submission, he pictures the resurrection. But I want you to notice lastly tonight is that Isaac, he pictures Christ's love. He pictures Christ's love. I want you to see this that Isaac is a picture of the love of Christ because it was Isaac's love for his father that he willingly laid down his life. Isaac trusted his dad. Isaac had, I mean, in order to have trust, there's gotta be, it's probably built on the foundation of love. Isaac loved his dad, and he was willing to lay that down. I wanna show you that it is Christ's love for the heavenly father and for you and I that he would lay his life down. You see, when Jesus, or when Isaac laid his life down, he wasn't dying for people. He was dying because his dad asked him to. When Jesus laid his life down, he was dying yes because the Father said this is my will, but he was dying because of you and because of me. This is where I'm going to bring in a little bit of a twist. And I'm going to tell you that Isaac he's what we call a deficient type. You say what is deficient type? He doesn't really it doesn't fulfill completely. And here's why. Isaac is a deficient type or a deficient picture in that Jesus Christ was actually killed or slain or smitten and offered up as a sacrifice. Jesus' death was actually followed through upon. Now, we're going to look at the sacrifices down the road, but I want us to see this tonight, that when Jesus gave his life, he was making a sacrifice for people that were not even alive. Because he was making a sacrifice for you, he's making a sacrifice for me. Well, why would he do that? Romans 5.8 helps us understand that it says this, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said it this way in John 10.11, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. This is where when you look at the story of Isaac, yes, Isaac is a picture of Christ. But in verse 13, in verse 13, the typology changes. Here's how it changes. In verse 13, Abraham lifts up his eyes and he looks into a thicket. And he sees what? A ram. He sees a ram. He takes the ram and binds the ram. But in order to bind up the ram, he had to unbind his son. In order to put the ram on the altar, he had to take his son off of the altar. This typology, it's like replacement typology, it's where this happens. Isaac is this great picture of Jesus, is this wonderful picture of all those things we saw. But in this moment, Isaac becomes a picture of you and I. You say, how so? When we're born, we're born bound to sin. We are born with the blade of God's judgment waiting to strike. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said, I'm the ram. I'm the burnt offering. I will take their place. And if they receive me, they go free. Replacement typology, it's where that typology just shifts. And I love what God does for us. Because if you look at verse number 14, Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. May know what the name Jehovah-Jireh means? Jehovah does. What is it? The Lord provides. What were you going to say? My provider. It's this, the God who sees and the God who provides. Here's something cool that I want us to have and then we'll will be done. One man said this about the ram. Give you this and then I'll challenge our challenge. This is a beautiful foreshadowment of Christ dying in the stead of sinners who are, as Isaac was, already in the place of death, bound, unable to help themselves with the knife of divine justice suspended over them. And yet Jesus, he took our place. I want you to think about something tonight and uh, give you a couple statements and we'll be done. Um, You know, as a Christian, how many of you have been saved for, uh, you've been saved for six months or more? All right, just about everybody. Let's say, uh, let's say five years or more. All right, 15 years or more. How about 25 years? How about 40 years or more? All right, how about 50 years or more? All right, Linda, when did you trust Christ? How old were you? 12, Twelve years old. Dad, how old were you? Five. Mom, how old were you? Ten. 10. Jim, how old were you? 21. Twenty-one. Anita? Twenty-nine. 29. You know what? <laughs> if you look at all of us, people who have been saved, some in here for a year, some in here for 50 years. I asked this with Adam a few weeks ago, but how many sins did it take for us to be condemned to hell? Just one. I'm not going to ask, but Linda, Dad, Mom, you've been saved for all these years. Have you committed more than one sin since? Dad, I know you have, so. (laughs) I'm just teasing. It's Mom. It's Mom. Listen. As a Christian, oftentimes, we've been saved for a long time. And I know I'm guilty of this. That we lose sight of the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, it was because of our sin that nailed him to it. Right? Our sin is, that is why he died was for our sin. But he died because he loved us. He died because he wanted that relationship. He died because you and I, we mean something to him. And I asked the question with Adam, and I'm going to ask it again tonight, is if if Jesus died for our sin, why do we often continue living in sin? Why do we let things control us? Why do we not die to the flesh? Why do we not say no to wrong thoughts or actions or words or a wrong spirit or gossip or bitterness? Why do we allow sin sometimes to just control us? Can I help us with with this thought? I think it falls back on the motivation of love. Why did Jesus go to the cross? It wasn't just because of our, well, our sin took him there. No, our our sin is one of the reasons he died but what took him there was our love was his love for us do you know what it should take me from following after sin to following after living for christ love man why not sin because i love jesus oh because i'm afraid i'll get caught no no because i love him and he died for it. He died for it. He loved me. I'm going to die to it and love him. When I think of Jesus, or excuse me, when I think of Isaac, when I think of Isaac, I think Isaac's story is completely pointing to the coming redemption of the Messiah. It's pointing to the relationship that a person can have with God, it's pointing to forgiveness. It's pointing to redemption, resurrection, sacrifice, selflessness, but it's pointing to love. So at the bottom of your handout, you see this. The next time you read about Isaac, you take a moment to thank God for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus all done for you. I want you to write four letters underneath that last line. When you think of Isaac, when you read the story of Isaac, don't you think about love, L-O-V-E. Man, Jesus loved you, and he died on the cross for my sin, for your sin. May I love him and live, live dead to sin. And let the story of Isaac, that picture, just show me. Just one more way of the redemption, the forgiveness, the love that we have in Christ. And I hope that'd be a help to us tonight. I'd like to have every head baptized. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.